Well, good morning, Fellowship family. How are you this morning? Good. Well, hey, I am excited to be able to be with you today. So my name is Ryan Wynn, and I am a member here at Fellowship Highcrest. I get to serve on the discipleship team, and so today, as Jonathan is out of town visiting his family, I get to come and present the Word of God to you today. Woo! Yes. And so when I'm not here at church and in my life, I am married to Haley Wynn over here, and I... Yes. <laughs> and I also am the director of a ministry here in town called Doxazo Ministries. And our ministry is we want to see a thriving generation of Christian leaders transforming the world for Christ. And so I'm able to spend time with high school and college-age students and teach them to root their identity in Christ and to teach them how they can be followers of Jesus with their lives. But today, I have the honor that I get to come and talk to you guys about money and about what does it mean to invest our money eternally. And so Jeremy, my favorite older brother, uh, he spoke last week about how the heart matters when it comes to how we view and spend our money. But as we talk today, we're going to be looking at how our actions will follow our true love. And how Satan will try to convince us to invest our money in the momentary things of today with the hope of distracting us from the things that will last for eternity. So if this is your first week here, man, this, this is a special place. This is a special place here in the Highcrest building in this room, not only because this is where the church comes and gathers together, but for me, this is a little extra special because this is the place that I met Haley for the first time. And not only did I meet Haley here, I actually proposed to Haley right in the center of the floor, right here in the gym. And so for an engagement or for getting engaged in the proposal, for me, that's a, that was a pretty big deal because I felt that the way that I showed my actions and how I planned and prepped that man, Haley was going to be feeling really special on that day. And so I, in my preparation for this, it took me two months that I went out and I contacted all of Haley's friends that were really close to her without her knowing this, and I asked them to write in on a scrapbook page just encouraging words, thoughts, verses, or other reflections from Haley's life. And then three months earlier, I went out and I started looking for the perfect ring. And so I, I'm kind of a perfectionist, and so I went and I was, got my spreadsheets out. I went to probably seven different stores looking for the right cut, clarity, all these other words when it comes to finding a ring. But I finally found the perfect ring. I finally had all the scrapbook pieces in, and it was ready for the day. And so the day, it went perfectly as Haley went on a scavenger hunt from different location to location of these special places in the city of Topeka and Lawrence that we had memories at. And then it finished with us coming here to Highcrest where I got to propose. And so the day would have been perfect if there wasn't a snowstorm. And so despite the snowstorm and the scavenger hunt taking seven hours long, uh, Haley eventually made it to me. She had no more tears, but she said yes, and she's married to me today. So I made it there. (laughs) But with Haley and I, what I've learned, we've just finished our first year of marriage, but 
man, in marriage, it's been good. And Haley and I, man, we love each other. We love spending time together with each other. But what I have seen is that Haley cannot be the person that I invest all of my time, my money, and my resources into. And for me, the same, I cannot be that same person for Haley either. Because the person that we are called to, invest, to have our, as our first love is Jesus. And so a good mentor and a friend of mine, before I got married, he said, Ryan, you cannot, don't, don't plan on marrying that girl unless the purpose of your marriage is going to be to better glorify God together with your resources and your time than you could by yourselves. And so our need that we have today is that we cannot live our lives with eternity in view unless we understand that God is that eternal thing that we are running for. So today, like I said, eternal or investing eternally, that's what we're talking about. You simply cannot understand and live out God's plan for you and your money if you are not living with eternity in view. So our focal passage for today, it comes from 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And it says this. It says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. And anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So the Apostle John, he is the one who is writing this letter here. And John is writing this letter to a network of churches that are currently going through a crisis. They have had members in their church that are leaving their church and they are denying who Jesus is, saying that he is not the Messiah, the Son of God. And so through this time of these people leaving the church, hostility has broken out within the church. And John is writing this letter not to give the church members new information, but he is writing it as a form of damage control to remind them of the truth that they already know about who Christ is. Because the church was undergoing a great and dangerous temptation to compromise and to go and live the way that the world was telling them to live. Because they were realizing it was difficult to be different for the name of Jesus in the way that they lived, loved, and spent their money. So as we are stepping into this text today, man, what this church is going through 2,000 years ago, man, that's what we face every single day. This temptation of, are we going to invest into today Or are we going to invest into eternity? Are we going to be investing our lives into Christ and living for him and his purposes? Or are we going to say, you know what? That's not true. I'm going to go follow the way that the rest of the world is living. So today we're going to be talking about not only living for the world or investing our lives into eternity, but we're going to be talking through how Satan tempts us in three primary areas of our lives. And we are going to look at practically how Satan tempts us in those three ways, but how we tempted Jesus, and Jesus gives us an answer and a solution for how we can overcome those temptations. And so the first thing on your card there, your blanks, is that your actions will reveal your true love. Your actions will reveal your true love. So 
a couple months before Haley and I got married, Haley, she got a call from her older brother. And her older brother said, hey, Haley, I'm moving out of my apartment, and I have this cat that I can no longer take with me. And so Haley, she was living in her apartment, and she couldn't take in a cat, but she said, Ryan, we're going to be getting married here soon. Can this cat please come and live with you for these next couple months until we get married? And me being the loving fiancé that I was, I said, okay, we'll give it a try with the caveat of if this doesn't work out, I'm kicking the cat out, and I don't want it here. And so the cat came in, we named it Nala, and Nala was the perfect, sweetest cat, didn't have any, anything that she was getting into, and so she was great, except there was one thing she struggled with, and that was she ate too much and she exercised too little. I don't know if we can relate with this, but we had this cat, and over the first year, as after Haley and I got married, this cat... It had this issue where it would just sit around looking in windows, didn't have anything to play with, anybody around, and so it would just start gaining weight. So I had this idea of, you know what? I think, I think Nala might need a friend. And I think this other friend can help her get, lose some weight and exercise some more. And so I proposed the idea to Haley, you know what? I think we should get another cat so they can play together and they can exercise. And so Haley was thrilled, and within the next two days, we were driving to Kansas City to go and get our new cat named Piper. Now, the flaw in my thinking was, is that Piper was going to be exactly like Nala, and she wasn't going to get into anything, and she was going to be a perfect cat, and they were just going to play with each other, right? Not true. So Piper, she (laughs) climbs on absolutely everything. So in the, if we're sleeping at night, she'll climb up, get herself stuck on the top of our doors. She'll knock over stuff. We try to lock her out. She pushes on the door. She'll meow. And so this cat, who I thought was the answer to our weight problem, brought another problem. And over the next nine months, my love for this cat slowly started to deplete, to deplete itself. But then the moment of truth came. And it happened this past Tuesday. So Haley and I... We were enjoying our nice dinner. It was, it was a little bit later. It was 8.30 of white chicken chili. I lit the candle. I set it up nice. And we had this nice meal together. But then it was almost as if it was in slow motion. I heard upstairs this crash from upstairs. I saw this cat come flying down the stairs, rolling, tumbling its way down, meowing. My lovely wife steps out of her chair, scoops this cat up, only for us to notice that her paw was bent in the wrong direction. And in this moment, I, I, it happened so quick. I was driving, and we loaded up in the car. We were driving to the animal emergency room, which I didn't even know was a thing, that you can go to an animal emergency room here in Topeka. We were driving to the animal emergency room, only to sit in this waiting room to hear from the vet the news of what was the outcome of our cat and what had happened. And so as I'm sitting in the waiting room, I am beginning to calculate in my head, at what price do I like this cat? <laughs> at what price am I willing to, <laughs> to, to love this cat? And so and the vet comes out. She comes out. The assistant was there. Haley was there. And little Piper was there. And the vet said, it is going to cost you this much if you want to have your cat's best chance at not limping for the rest of its life. And in that moment... You know, all the eyes were on me to make this decision. 
It was my choice to make. And so I made the decision that we splinted her foot, and, and our cat piper will have its best chance at not limping as it goes forward. <laughs> so so I, I say this, and I open with this story, because really, when we are honest with ourselves, when the rubber hits the road, our actions will guide us to our true love, what we really care about. Now, for us, where this hits me is that when we're in the church— Man, we can say that we love Jesus and we can say that he is our true love. But man, it's not until that moment happens when finances get tight, when we are in a situation where we have to make the decision where we will act out of what that true love is. And so John knows that this wasn't unique to, to just, this isn't unique to our situations, but when he writes this, he is writing to the church that's experiencing this moment, this crisis moment, where they have to decide what is their true love. And so he writes here in 1 John 2.15, he says, Do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. And so in this passage, it talks about love. And it's talking about a great affection, a care, or a loyalty towards something. And in comparison to the world, this passage is saying that you cannot have a great love towards the world, its values, its beliefs, and its morals, because they are in direct rebellion to God. You see, you and I, we live in a constant war and a constant battle over these two affections. We wake up every day in a world that is telling us through the media, through advertising, through movies, through marketing, it is trying to convince us to buy the world system. It's trying to convince us to dress like the world, to eat in excess like the world does, to look for the comfort the world has to offer, for us to strive for these promotions to make ourselves look better, or whatever the thing that surrounds us, whatever that thing that we're searching after. And for us as believers, we can think that we are not swayed by the way the world presses in on us. But if we are honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, I can look at my debit report of how I'm spending my money. And that can tell me really what is my true love. Because if I look at that, man, I see that more often than not, I'm spending on things and wants for myself they're really things that are investing in the lives of other people. Man, I can be driving home from work, and I can be coming home, and I can know that there's food in the fridge, and I can know that I'm on a budget, but there's that, that voice that comes in my head that whispers that says, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and we, we hear that. And, and I have that temptation that I want to go, and I want to go to Chick-fil-A to satisfy that immediate need for myself. In regards to knowing that, man, I have food at home and I'm on a budget and me saving money now means that I can invest that through another in another way. So I have to be honest with myself is when the cat bill comes in, when I'm tempted to go through the drive through when I'm tempted to make that purchase of the next thing that will help me fit in with the world, when I'm tempted to go into debt for that thing that really, that really can wait— I mean, I have to ask myself, am I saying that Jesus is my true love, yet spending my money like the rest of the world? Or am I honest with myself 
And is Jesus truly my true love? And am I okay living my life? My actions are directing towards him being the one that I want to invest into, understanding that he is the thing that will last for eternity. So today we have two choices, two choices that are in front of us that we can invest into today by living by the world system, or we can invest into eternity by living the way that Jesus is calling us to live, by being obedient to him with our money and our resources. So personally, Haley and I, we are, we're in a season of our life where we do. We have to be careful with how we're spending our money. And I say going through a drive through because we're in that season of life where we just need to be careful that we can't be driving and going and spending uh, our, all our money out to eat on whatever we want there. But for us, I had a mentor in my life named Ron that he told me, he said, probably some of the best advice I've gotten, he said, Ryan, all the money is God's money, and you are merely just a steward of the resources he has given you. And when I realized that, man, this is, this is all God's money, this is all his stuff, it puts me in the right perspective to understand what are my priorities of what am I spending my money on. Now, for Haley and I, just, just kind of as our, as our mark of understanding, we, we would say that, hey, we want to have 10% that we're giving to the church or to missionaries or to other people that are supporting the Lord's work. But we had a drive the other day where we were just sitting and we were driving and we were saying, you know what? We want to be available to the needs that are around us, and we don't want to have a limit on the resources that we can spend for God and for expanding his kingdom. And so even just, just an area that's come up in our life, Haley and I was back in the spring. Our neighbors, uh, Dean and Mary, they were going through some health tr- struggles. And Dean, he had a hernia, and so they were in a season where they were struggling financially, and we were able to go and have a conversation with them. And we, they didn't say this, but we kind of learned that they were struggling just for their, their groceries for the week. That we were able to say, hey, let us, let us bless you. Let us help you. Let's go. We'll go to the store. We'll buy you groceries for this week so that you guys, you don't have to worry about that. And you can worry about your medical bills. And by using our finances in that way, yes, we spent it on groceries, but that opened up a door for a relationship with Mary and Dean where we were able to pray for them, where they're our neighbors, so we have conversations with them, and they understand that, man, we, we love them enough to not only give them this tangible physical need, but to point them to Christ because he is really the one that can satisfy their needs. But for us... Unless we are putting our priorities in the right place, we are. We just naturally will spend on ourselves. So we have to be able to say, is God the first thing that we are going to be giving our money to? Because we know that is an eternal investment. And so Satan knows that if we can prioritize our money to put God first, he knows that it's one step harder from distracting us to spending it on ourselves. And so John, he talks about this. Uh, when he says that in, uh, in verses 15 and 16 here, it says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are, these are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. 
So the three lies that Satan is going to tell us about how we can spend money on ourselves is, uh, is a craving for physical pleasure or a craving for the flesh, a craving for what we see, and then taking pride in our own life through our achievements and possessions. And as we look at these three tempting lies, this is where Satan wants to softly and subtly convince us that investing our resources into today is more valuable than eternity. So the question that we have, that we have to ask ourselves, and we have to be honest with this because it's easy to lie to ourselves on this one, but it's what, what are we really craving? And what do we really want in this life? What is that thing that we are craving? So what we're going to do here is we are going to talk about these things that we crave. And what I have here is we are going to be having John. We have John, the author of 1 John, but we also are going to be looking at the book of Matthew. And so John, he walked life with Jesus, and so did Matthew. And so from their experiences of both walking life with Jesus and seeing Jesus talk about these temptations, they are both giving us two different perspectives, yet on the same temptation of how we can look at these temptations today. And so John is writing a letter, but Matthew is telling a story or writing a narrative of Jesus when he was in the wilderness and when he was tempted by Satan himself. And so before we, as we look here, we see that John, he's talking about the craving for physical pleasure. And in Matthew, we're going to talk about how was Jesus tempted in this way. But before I read Matthew 4, 3 through 4 here, I want to bring this passage into context here. So in the beginning of Matthew 4, he is talking about Jesus has been led by the Spirit to go to the wilderness to be tempted And as he is there, he is in preparation for his ministry as he's going to be going to live his life. But as he's out in the wilderness, he has been there now for 40 days and 40 nights, and he has been fasting. So Jesus is hungry at this point. He is tired. And this is where Satan, he has been tempting him, but Satan takes his final stand by tempting with three last temptations. And so in Matthew 4, 3 through 4, it says this. It says, During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the first attack that Satan attacks Jesus with is this prevalent need of his hunger. Now, Jesus was fully God, but yet he was fully man, and so he felt the hunger that we feel. And so I don't know if if you guys did the rooted prayer experience, but a part of that experience, we fasted for the day, and I went seven hours, and I was starving at the end of the night, and all I could think about was the pizza that was being delivered. But this is Jesus at the end of 40 days. He is now in this place where he has this need of physical hunger. So the most obvious part of the temptation was for Jesus to fulfill his legitimate physical needs by a miraculous miracle. But the deeper temptation was Satan's appeal to Jesus's supposed right as the son of God. You see, what Satan was really saying here is, if you are God's son and he has sent you here as a man to fulfill your mission, you better turn these stones into bread so that he will not let you die out here in the wilderness. You see, the purpose of this temptation was not simply for Jesus to satisfy his own physical hunger, but it was to suggest that him being hungry was incompatible with him being the Son of God. 
because he was being tempted to doubt the father's word, the father's love, and the father's provision, and to use his own divine power to supply what the father had not. But isn't that true for our lives? Man, I can think that. I can think, man, I'm, I'm Ryan Wynn. And I worked 40 hours this week, and I worked extra overtime. And, man, I'm working hard to get what I deserve. And I can look around me, and I can think, you know what? I deserve that sweet treat on the way home. I deserve to have that vacation. I deserve to have that car. I deserve to have that house. I deserve to have that next thing that's going to make me feel better about myself. Because, you know what? Since I don't have it now, God's probably just not there providing it for me. So I just need to go get it myself. But when we misplace our desire in the things of this world and the momentary things that we invest our time in, it takes a toll not only on our lives, but it takes a toll on our bank accounts. Because we get into something called the death spin, where we begin investing more money, we can go into debt, we can get loans, and we can put the money into these things that we think are going to satisfy our needs which are only momentary things to satisfy a momentary desire that will always lead us to never having enough and always wanting more. Because we, man, we at times, we just try to satisfy ourselves with things that that are only momentary. But Jesus, he gives us a response when he says to Satan, he says, no, the scriptures say, people do not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man, I wish that was my response every time I was tempted. Scripture says, Scripture says, like, man, if, if, that was, if, I, if I went to that place first, my life would be so much easier. But man, Jesus says, Scripture says, we do not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what Jesus is saying to me, what he's saying to us today, he says, man, stop, stop searching for that next desire. Stop looking for that next momentary pleasure. Quit jumping from thing to thing because I am the only thing. My righteousness is the only thing that can satisfy you. And so as we say, okay, God, for me to live and invest in eternity, that really means that we have to go to God first to satisfy our needs and desires, and we can't just go jumping to the next thing that's in front of us. So the question we have is, are we investing in the comfort for today, or are we sacrificing comfort to invest in eternity? For Haley and I, what this looks like is, man, I love taking high school and college guys out to breakfast. Like, I just love taking them out to breakfast and being able to listen to their life and encourage them to be more who Jesus has called them to be. But in order for me to take them out to breakfast, Haley and I have to know that that means we are sacrificing more things for ourselves. If that's us going out to dinner, if that's having another date somewhere where we're spending our money on a meal so that we can have more money to invest in the people and relationships that are right in front of us. So the next temptation here is the desire of the eyes or the desire for God. And in John, he says, it's a craving for everything that we see. Now, Matthew 4, 8 through 10, it says this, when now Jesus is being tempted with the desire for his eyes. The devil, he took Jesus, he took him to the peak of a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of your Satan, Jesus told him. 
For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, Satan, he took Jesus to the tallest mountain around, and he took him to the top of it as they overlaid the kingdoms of the world. And in some supernatural way, Satan was able to show Jesus the the glories and the splendor of Egypt. He was able to show him the nation of Athens, the magnificence of Corinth, and the wondrous city of David, Jerusalem. And he was able to say, Jesus, man, I can give these all to you if you would just stop and if you would worship me. As God's own proclaimed king of kings, Jesus had a divine right to all the kingdoms. And it was to that right that Satan appealed in this temptation. You see, Satan was offering Jesus the world under his own corrupt terms. Satan wanted to entice Jesus to grab the kingdom that his father had promised him instead of having to endure the long, bitter, humiliating road to the cross. You see, Satan, he always comes at us that way. He suggests we can have the kingdom now instead of waiting for it. He says, if you want to have the perfect family now, man, you just need to push your kids harder in sports. Man, if you want to have the perfect house, man, you can just, you can just lie a little bit on your tax returns and you can get some extra money there. Man, if you want to be sexually satisfied now, man, just look at a little bit of pornography. It's not that big of a deal. Nobody's going to notice that. Man, it's whatever that thing that we want, if we try to go at it the way the world tells us to, man, we might be able to get it, and we might be able to get it sooner. But it's not God's plan. It's not the way he designed for us to have it. You see, Satan will whisper to us, why are your standards so high? You can get what you want now by cutting corners, by shading the truth. Why do you want to wait for a heavenly reward when you can have your reward right now? You see, when we set our true love on money, prestige, popularity, power, or selfish happiness, we're doing exactly what Satan offered to Jesus by saying, Jesus, put yourself first and don't think about God right now. Because self-will is Satan's will and is therefore the definition of the opposite of what God's will is for us. And that is to seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness. Now, if I'm being honest with you, this temptation, this one hits me the hardest. Because I told you earlier this week, I was sitting down with Haley over that dinner of white chicken chili. And uh, our conversation was actually a hard conversation. It was a conversation of... Myself, that I'm a director of a ministry, so I really can just work, work, work all the time if I really wanted to, to try to grab those things, to try to make them happen now, instead of waiting for God's timing. And if I work all my time on trying to grasp those things now, I can find myself neglecting my wife at home and neglecting my other relationships around me. And so during that conversation, we had to have a reset point of saying, hey, what is this going to look like for us to make sure we are spending our time in the right places and having the right priorities in line instead of me trying to grab that kingdom now, but for me to be able to stop and trust that God is going to reveal his plans to my life and his timing. And I don't have to work myself so hard to try and achieve those on my own. So when Jesus answers this response here, he says, get out of your Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus would not compromise the greatest truth in all of scripture that God and God alone is to be worshiped and served. 
Jesus will inherit the kingdom of God in God's timing. And all of those who put their faith and trust in Jesus will inherit that kingdom with him. So if we want, man, we can live in debt for now to have those things that will satisfy us for the moment. We can spend our lives running and pursuing those careers, running after that next achievement, trying to grab those things for now. Or we can trust that God is in control and that God is going to reveal his perfect will to our lives. And if we would only seek God first in our lives, that God will reveal in his timing his promises that he has as he supplies all of our needs. So the question we have is, are we investing our money in the way the world tells us or the way God calls us to? And so for me, for myself, like I said, we, Haley and I, we are just evaluating my priority and my time and our time together to make sure I have the right priorities in that list. And so finally, the last temptation that comes here is the pride of life versus the pride in Christ. John says the pride in our achievements and our possessions is the temptation that we face. And in Matthew 4, 5 through 6, it says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point in the temple. And he said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up in their hands, and you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And in verse 7, the next verse, it says, The scriptures say, You must not test the Lord your God. So with this scene here, Jesus is taken to the top of the temple, which is about 450 feet tall, and he is overlooking the city. And, And people would be able to see him up there if he jumped off. And Satan is saying, Man, Jesus, just jump off now, and God's promised that his angels are going to come in, and they're going to save you, and you can have your supernatural truth so that people will look and see through this sign that you are God, that you are the Son of God here. But what we see is that from this passage, Jesus did not need to test God to prove himself that his Father cared and protected him. Because Jesus knew that even if the angels swooped down, and even if they came and they saved him, that it would not convince the people that he was the Son of God. Jesus spent his whole ministry, and through his ministry, he performed miracles and signs and wonders, and he even died and was raised from the dead, and people still did not believe that he was the Son of God. But you know, even in my life, I have seen miracles happen in my life right in front of me, and I still doubt God's plan for my life from one day to the next. And like Jonathan said two weeks ago, he talked about just our day-to-day. If we are going to be people who are doing day trading, man, that's where one day we wake up, we say, Jesus, man, I'm following you today with my life. And then the next day we wake up and we forget and we kind of just go spend money on ourselves. We kind of go and do our own thing. And so for us, if we are flip-flopping between investing in eternally, investing in the world, investing in eternity, man, we are going to get so pulled back and forth that we are going to forget who we really are in Christ. Because more often than I would want to admit, man, I can rush into making decisions without seeking the Lord first. And sometimes in my mind, I can think, God, if this is a stupid decision, just save me from it later. Like, I know that that you're just going to catch me, right? But what happens is, man, if I rush in and if I say, you know what, I'm going to just lie here 
or I'm going to not take care of my wife today, or I'm going to look online something just this once because I'm really a good person. There is a time where God, he does come in and he shows us grace. But it is only usually at the expense of our financial security or the relationships around us. So if my goal in this life is to make much of Christ with my money, God has entrusted to me, why would I not bring him into the conversations day in and day out of how I'm supposed to be spending my money? And so the final question is, are we investing our money to make much of ourselves? Are we investing our money to make much of Christ? And this is a question that I have to ask myself, not just right here in this room, but I have to ask myself this question every single day. And it's, Jesus, are you my true love? Are you the one that I'm going to give my life to? Because only when I deep down know, desire, and want that, and I seek him every day, and I surrender my life to him, can I ever make much of Christ in my life. Because John, as he writes, as he closes this verse here, this passage, man, he's calling us to invest wisely. When he says, he says, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You see, we invest today so easily when Satan tries to tell us that we are to invest into the flesh, into our eyes, and into our pride. And we wake up each day to make that decision, and we are going to get the reward that we have, and that is being unsatisfied, constantly chasing the next thing in this life. But when we desire to invest into eternity by making much of Christ in our lives and investing our money, our resource, and our time into him, we not only get the eternal rewards God has promised us, but he brings satisfaction into our life today. And he brings purpose into our life today that we can have with him as we are in a personal relationship with him. So if you are here today, And if you've been a follower of Jesus in your life and you are in a place where you say, man, hey, I'm convicted on this and I need to re-just evaluate what my true love is. What I want to say is don't just go look at your bank account, but really examine just your heart and go and say, man, is Jesus the one that I love most? But if you're here today and this is maybe your first time or this is the first time that you even heard about Jesus, man, I want to invite you into a relationship with him. Man, I want to invite you into God's family because Jesus is the only way that we can have satisfaction and purpose and life here on earth. And Jesus has made that offer open to us when he lived a perfect life, when he died a perfect death, when he, made, he paid the price for our sins on the cross and he died and he rose again three days later. And Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God. And now when God looks at us, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, he sees no longer a broken Ryan, but he sees his blameless son, Jesus, covering my sin, covering my guilt and my shame. And so I'm going to pray here right now. And if you, this is a day that you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, man, just in your seats, just pray silently. I'm going to pray here no set of, of, of any special words, but just a prayer of thanks to who God is and what he has accomplished through his life on the cross. So pray with me. 
Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful to be your children. We are thankful that you give us a purpose that we can invest our lives into that will truly satisfy us. God, I pray, Lord, that today, if today is the day that there is somebody in this room that wants to make that step across the line of faith, Lord, Lord, I pray that they would just pray that, God, we accept you as the Lord of our life. God, I no longer have to strive and push Lord, and wake up each day just trying to satisfy myself, God. But I trust that you have paid the price for my sin and that you are truly my eternal reward. My eternal reward. And I put my faith and trust in you. God, we love you and praise your name. Amen.